ERU comes from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. From the cotton fields to the cotton club, from the back roads to the boardwalk, the Rhythm Ranch is the intersection of a hundred different musical highways from swing, classic country, rhythm and blues, early rock and roll and more. I'm your host, Jay Peterson. Join me Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on the Rhythm Ranch, where we dig up a hundred years of music by the roots. See you back at the ranch, Tuesdays at 2. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. And it looks like we're doing it without theme music today, guys, so over to you. Okay. Good morning. It is time for Boat Talk. Boat Talk is a call-in show for people contemplating things naval. It's a show with your uh, rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague, and it's probably the only show here on Community Radio where some of the boys are nuns. Huh? <laughs> well, <I> Some, <laughs> He's yeah. the punny one. Yep, you get that. We might have to explain it for the uh, for the non-sailors. Okay, because there are two kinds of uh, basic buoys. Nuns. Well, three, right? Well, well but, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different kinds of buoys, but yeah. nuns and cans. Yeah, the greens right. ones, green and the reds are nuns and cans. Wait, well, I thought the nuns were the mid-channel markers that were black and white. That, that, that's why they called them nuns. I think the nuns are the uh, red ones, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Right. So well, anyway. You don't want to sing a, a little verse of Eyes the By the Builds Boat and Eyes the By the Sailser? And, uh, that could probably shoot the ratings right through the floor. Miss the theme music bad, uh, thanks to Devon Square. <laughs> anyway, we're doing Boat Talk this morning, and uh, welcome. We're, um, oh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the uh, boat school down in Eastport. We're going to talk about shipping cows to Turkey. We're gonna, But that's not what we're really going to talk about this morning. The really thing we're going to talk about is the... Uh, um, we have Thor Emery in here this morning. Good morning, Thor. Good morning. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, and Thor has uh, started a new business called Thorfinn Expeditions out of Lincolnville Beach, Maine. And uh, he has built this business around a new boat, the uh, Presto 30, which is being built in Bucksport at uh, Union River Boat Company, Rider Boats. And it's all pretty interesting. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So um, we got to start with the boat school thing, though, Alan. Yeah, yeah, we've been in contact with the people down in Eastport over the years. When first started, when they looked like they were going to close the school because of the state budgets, and we said, "Geez, you know, boat builders are a pretty important commodity around here. We certainly don't want to uh, close the school." That was our campaign, anyway. And I'd like to think we helped make a stink I th- I about. We did raise some some uh, some people's. Yeah, I'm fairly proud that. of that too. And the boat school is a, a pretty interesting uh, facility that's down in Eastport. 
Um, to recap, it was, uh, you know, um, on the ropes there and had been downsized kind of a closet and was going to move to a kind of a closet and callus, but it was saved. Well, here's the thing. Um, thing I hadn't really understood was that the town of Eastport owns the boat school. They are losing $150,000 a year on it. Hmm. Okay, something's got to give. Eastport is not a well-to-do little community right. that can afford to lose anything. Okay, and they look at it, and the upcoming years they may be forced into a choice between the boat school and the high school. <laughs> That's serious. Okay, oh. yeah. So uh, it's not all happy times down there. Although the boat school has, like, say, got turned around. It's affiliated with Husson College. And uh, they've, they've ramped up the program, and they have a bunch of students down there now. But like I say, it's not all adding up. So along comes this fella, and uh, his name is Marlo. And um, he is a boat builder. And uh, Marlo Yachts is uh, building boats in Taiwan. They service them down in Tampa, Florida. And this guy has a, um, a worldwide uh, kind of presence. He also has a summer home in Brooksville, Maine. Mm. That's the beautiful part, as far as I can tell. That's the connection. That's the connection right there. So he has gone down to Eastport and made the people basically an offer. He wants to buy the boat school. Lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. Wants to buy the boat school, increase the program from two years to four, start a yacht-building facility there, which will build his Marlow power boats, which are, uh, range in price from $1.6 to $3.5 million dollars build them in Eastport with a workforce of over 100 people that are affiliated with the boat school is kind of, like, say, feeding them there. And then ship those boats worldwide out of the port of Eastport. Yeah, well, it's entirely possible. You and I have been through the uh, boat building school in a factory setting kind of a training. That's how we learned to work on boats, it's working in a... Well, I guess we could say the Hinkley Company. Yeah, well, and I know. Sort of yeah, I never Starting out as apprentices and, and learning the ropes and making it up through there. Yep, didn't go to the boat school, just went, like, say, a practice. But, um, you know, it's a great thing. And, and the um, as we say, those boat jobs are, are not just jobs. They can lead you to a life of some adventure, which I think is a pretty cool thing. Um, Marlo says here that if he gets to buy the boat school... If he uh, gets to buy the boat school, he would uh, immediately buy adjoining properties, expand the campus, bring in specialized equipment su such as 150-ton hydraulic lift, raise the height of existing buildings, and build additional buildings, according to the, the manager. <coughs> he also said, Marlowe says, there is technology in Asia unheard of in Maine, and he plans to bring it to Eastport, Maine. I'm curious about that. I want to know. That's a little bit, um, well, I don't know if offensive is quite the right word, but you, you, when you think you're uh, one of the best boat builders in the area or the world is down East Maine, I say is, to say that there's something that's better out there that we don't even know about is uh, intriguing, I guess we'll say. I'm imagining facilities, you know, um, state-of-the-art facility and ways of moving things around, and that's the vision I, I get, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Pretty yeah. fascinating, though. Marlo, quote from uh, Mr. Marlo here, I don't dream small, he says. And here's the thing. This man is um, hes in business in Taiwan and Florida. He's looking to expand his business in the United States. He can go anywhere he wants. But he's got a summer house in Brooksville, Maine. Mm -hmm. And I think he loves it there. I think so, too. Yeah, well, he could not be for reached um, for comment for this article here from the Bangor Daily News because he was en route from Maine to Florida by boat to his, his winter place in Florida. 
And uh, don't dream small, Mr. Marlowe says. So imagine from the point of view of eSport, um, what a dream come true this could be. Yeah. Yeah, because they'll still get taxes. If they sell the building, they'll get money from that, and then they'll still be able to tax it, I'm sure. I'm going to bring a lot of people to town. Uh, he uh, maintains 14 apartments complete with staff at his Taiwan facility for people, bu- uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, visiting their the building of their yacht. They do the same thing in Eastport, okay, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then, like I say, from uh, remember Chris Gardner, the uh, director of the Port of Eastport? We had him on uh, Boat Talk a while back. Right. Chris Gardner, how excited would he be to be able to ship a high-value manufactured product that is also very heavy, which is a yacht, you know? Mm-hmm. Then no better thing to ship right there. They got the facilities. Yeah. So that's what's happening down in Eastport, Maine, and uh, we're going to have to keep track of that and, and see what uh, comes of it. Also happening in Eastport, there's another good article in the paper here. They have got a grant. They're putting in a big conveyor belt down there, and they uh, uh, ship wood chips to Asia is their main business. But they've got a new little gig, and they are shipping cows to Turkey. Okay? they got problems in Turkey with their dairy herd. It's inbred and stuff. And well, I, thought, I thought it was the vegans who were exiling them. <laughs> they're taking um, uh, American um, uh, cattle stock over to Turkey, and Eastport is the only port on the eastern seaboard that is certified to ship livestock. Huh. Huh. Yep. We've got a little special gig there. And there have been, I believe, uh, several shiploads of uh, cows that have gone to Turkey this uh, summer on Danish freighters. And, uh, you know, they're going to town. They expect to import, uh, export at least 8,000 cows from Eastport within the next year. Wow. Trying to beef up their stocks. Yeah. And they got Texas cowboys wearing big buckles and big hats that are wrangling them, too, and going over on the ship with them. And a couple of the cows even gave birth on the way to, to Turkey. And I guess they had a pretty happy trip. Isn't that different? Yeah. 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 So Eastport is a uh, is kind of like the new Dodge City. <laughs> Try and imagine that. And like I say, as many ways to, you know, uh, hang it together as possible. Um, we talked to a fellow today who um, his wife reads. There's a lady uh, named Kathy Pelletier. I think she, she writes a uh, series of murder mysteries based in Eastport, okay? She went down there and, uh, I believe, bought a house and fixed it up, so her character is a detective who renovates houses, mm-hmm. and there's all these murders in Eastport. So he took his wife down to Eastport. She always wanted to see what it looked like. She was blown away, and not in a good way. Um, she thought it was going to be a little bit more thriving than it was, oh. you know? There's a lot of empty places The vacant building festival, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, she was pretty shocked by uh, her vision of Eastport. did not line up with the novels there. But that's kind of interesting, too. So, yeah, that's what's happening down there. Now, we, um, you know, if we can advocate for anything on Boat Talk, um, we advocate for uh, boat builders and boat building education. And this is related, too, because uh, the Wooden Boat uh, magazine is starting a new uh, uh, boat building. Uh, well, it's called the Boat Building and Rowing Challenge, BARC, B-A-R-C. <laughs> and uh, in conjunction with Michael Hughes' uh, uh, the uh, carpenter shop over here in, um, in Blue, uh, Hill. Blue Hill. Yeah. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to take three. Uh, the initial program is for three high schools: Stonington, Deer Isle, uh, George Stevens Academy, and Mount Desert. Okay, and they are going to um, each take a kit for a 22-foot rowing gig. It's Ian Ottreed uh, designed rowing gigs, similar but different from the ones that we have in Belfast and up and down the coast now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will put these kits together. And then they will row them competitively against each other. 
And then hopefully get more Maine high schools to build the things and roam against each other. And we're training the kids to build boats, and uh, we're training them to go out and play with them. And uh, it's all a good thing. Wooden Boat Magazine has donated two of the kits. Michael Hughes is donating one to George Stevens. West System Epoxy, Hamilton Marine, Epithanes, uh, Paint and Varnish are all kicking into this. The Landing School in Arundel is going to provide guidance during the project. And uh, each kit costs about $2,300 besides the paint and epoxy and stuff. So they're not cheap. No. But uh, like I say, new, uh, new thing happening from Wooden Boat Magazine. And uh, maybe we'll talk to Carl Kramer sometime over there, our buddy Carl over to Wooden Boat, about right. the boat building and rowing challenge. Yeah, it's a stroke of genius. Oh, you're good. <laughs> right, we'll have to keep up, keep up with that. And I think we might actually go to, uh, I probably will go to MDI High School while they're building them and do a little uh, on-the-scenes interview with some of the kids to get the uh, their viewpoints. Oh, we got to follow that. Yeah. We got to follow that. And, um, oh, let's see, what else are we doing this morning? Uh, our friend Giffy Fuller is not here this morning. Couldn't get a hold of him. Don't know if he's gone south uh, for the winter yet or not, but Giffy's not with us this morning. No, I'm sorry. He's not here, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. No telling where he is. He usually remembers this pretty well, so I bet you he is probably uh, yeah, headed south. Like I say, headed south, I believe. Uh, makes a hole at the end of the table, though. And uh, oh, the website. I just figured out how to get into the back of the website, and I wrote something the other day, and I just posted it. It's called Sunday at Church, and there's pictures that go with it. And we run into the world's biggest fish off the tip of Cape Cod uh, end of uh, August. And we got a picture of it. It's about, uh, well, it's a basking shark that's over 40 feet long, and it's right next to our 38-foot boat. And so I wrote a, wrote a thing about that. It's called Sunday at Church, and it's got some pictures to it. We haven't figured out how to get the pictures connected to it yet. I haven't, but I'm, I'm getting close. We're and close, uh, yeah. You may want to check that out. There's going to be some action on the website. I think I'm finally getting it figured out. been talking for a long time, but been frustrated by equipment and skills, you know. Well, some for people who are uh, listening to this show on their computer right now, you might want to go to the WERU, no, the boattalk.org website and check out um, Trailer Sailor while we're talking with Thor about his Trailer Sailor. So you can get a visual while we're, while we're doing the dis- discussion. Yeah, because there are pictures and uh, you can see what we're talking about there with the Presto 30. Well, anyway, let's get to the let's get to Thor Emery. Good morning, Thor, and uh, Thorfinn Expeditions out of Lincolnville, Maine. Um, you got a motto? Do I have a motto? You do have a motto. What is it? <laughs> Sail hard, explore. It's uh, explore, dream, discover. Yeah, yeah. Which and comes from a quote from Mark Twain. Really? Huh. Yeah. I'd nice. love to be able to recite the entire the entire line, but I can't. But that's the the piece of it that we took. Okay. Thor, we got to ask you the boat talk question. We run down to Rockland a couple of Sundays ago and uh, helped you set up the boat. We trailered it down there and uh, helped uh, uh, launch it and set it up. We were going to go sailing, but it wasn't the right day, and we couldn't get there last weekend, but we'll still, we may still go sailing this fall. But anyway, uh, we run into your dad down there, Ben Emery. And Ben's an interesting fellow because um, I don't actually know him, okay, but I recognize him, okay, and... Your dad has been around the yachting community on Mount Desert Island here forever, and I just sort of know who he is, and, and you know, he's a familiar fella. And so the boat, the typical boat talk question, our favorite boat talk question is, what happened to you as a youngster to make you all stupid about boats and stuff? And, and that was it right there. Your dad had a bunch of boats. And Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Pretty Marsh. You know, I could see the water from our house. My dad grew up summering in Maine and sailing, and uh, he was in the Navy and did a variety of things, but in his early 20s moved to Mount Desert Island. 
and sailing was always a huge part of his life and you know eventually he had you know some bigger boats in the 40-foot range when I was in first grade we took off the entire family for the Caribbean so in Maine in the summer you know we spent time cruising and racing and then two different years growing up we actually lived on the boat went south and came back so that definitely shaped I think uh, my outlook I like the fact that the horizon was changing and I just wanted to be out there as much as possible so like I told you, Dad, the poor boy never had a chance to grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer, did he? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, he, he had the the added, I'll call it, complication of uh, having five sisters on the boat at the same time, too. <laughs> I never had five. I had two on the first trip when I was in first grade. And, um, you know, unfortunately at the time, I think a lot of families take off on a boat and come back and the parents separate. <laughs> but they both got remarried to excellent people. And actually my stepfather is also pretty involved with the sailing scene on the island. He coaches the MDI sailing team and is a sailmaker and one of the IOD rock stars. So I sort of grew up, you know, under both these guys doing a lot of sailing, which is pretty neat. Nice. Well, besides sailing, you got a couple other talents too. Uh, you are an outward bound person. Yeah, I, um, in 1999, I mean, I grew up on the coast of Maine. I'd see the outward bound pulling boats going by, and uh, always said to myself, "That's something that I'll probably never do." You know, they're going slow, and you'd see the tarp up at night and just look rugged. Um, but when I was 21, I was getting into the outdoor education field, and there was probably no better better place to start with than Hurricane Island here in Maine. So I got involved with the boats and kayaking and climbing and everything else. So from 99 on and off up until basically a year ago, I spent a lot of time with that school. Well, um, let's take a step backwards here. Had a little complication. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have Chris Gardner, the Eastport um, Port Authority president i'm not sure just what his title is but yeah chris gardner from eastport is going to talk to with us about um what's going on down there absolutely good, good morning, morning chris. chris good morning and it uh director of director the Port Authority. oh sorry trust me it took me a you know a few weeks just to try to remember that myself <laughs> so don't worry about that my friends okay director what's happening down to eastport here this is big news about marlo yachts uh, wanting to buy the boat school is this thing happening chris well it's a tremendous opportunity and it's something that's been in the works now for uh you know, as I understand it, uh, several months. He's been in conversations with city officials. Uh, we actually just had a chance to sit down with him from the port's perspective a few weeks ago. Uh, had a chance to spend a better part of half a day with Mr. Marlowe. His intentions seem to be very genuine. I think his product is very quality. I mean, for those who know the industry, realize that this is a man who certainly knows his business. And he does have a genuine interest in uh, seeing what uh, expansion possibilities exist in little old Eastport, Maine. He is... Um Sounds like he's in a mind to do business somewhere in America. That's correct. I think that's kind of the uh, the underlying drive here, and I certainly wouldn't want to speak for Mr. Marlowe, and, and uh, we would encourage anybody to reach out to him directly. But from what I took from our conversation, he does have a, uh, a pang to come back home, so to speak. He's got some uh, operations that are overseas, and what a nice ironic twist that uh, we're looking to take jobs from overseas and bring them back right. here to the U.S. and. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, he does have uh, some roots in Blue Hill. You know, he's got a, he's got a place down, down around those parts. And he's been coming to Eastport, he said, for years now. And he sees a lot of synergies and some existing infrastructure that make Eastport uh, really work for this potential. I don't dream small, he says. That's the <laughs> quote from the paper. <laughs> On we source like so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's obvious that the man doesn't dream small, but... What's even more uh, prevalent is the fact that he's a man who makes his dreams come true, and that's uh, that's what we're excited about. Well, uh, we just had an election, and there's a lot of talk about the business climate in Maine, and a lot of people uh, say that it is about the worst in the United States of America, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, not uh, not as welcoming as it could be to a business like that, but this man is a 
like I say, he's got main roots. He's got a place in Brooksville, and he wants to be here. And the and you do have a unique combination of, of things happening down there. Your boat school, your deep water port, and your desperate need to put people to work, you know? Well, and, and you're absolutely right. I think that we do have a lot of synergies here in Eastport. I mean, you talked about the port and, of course, the boat school, but something also not to be overlooked is our airport. Uh, you know, we have a 4,000-foot runway here that uh, allows people to get in and out, and that is something that really helps keep eSport connected to the, to the rest of the world. So it's those three things together along with that what can't be uh, overstated is the, a great workforce that is uh, looking to get themselves uh, back to work, so to speak. But as far as the business climate goes, perhaps it's a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, call it a stroke of luck, call it great timing, call it whatever you will. But the recent election is, if nothing else, is going to uh, shake up what uh, the business climate has been here in Maine. And, and uh, perhaps this is the best time that we could be entertaining something like this. So we're, we're excited. I see one possible uh, problem here, Chris. Um, sometimes when things are booming right here in the uh, MDI area, there's a shortage of trained boat builders, and there's as many here as you can find in one spot about anywhere. Sure. And it occurs to me that you might have a hard time finding 100-plus people to staff a uh, boat building facility in Eastport, Maine. Wouldn't that be ironic to not have the actual workers? Well, uh, you know, we had a chance to chat about that a little bit, and I think uh, Mr. Marlowe comes in with his eyes wide open, and he recognizes that there is going to need uh, be a need to kind of uh, put the workforce in place. And uh, that's what... Uh, excited me perhaps most about him is he's willing to invest in all stages of the operation. And he realizes that step one is to get the, the boat school uh, even stronger than it is, uh, to get its enrollment up, to get uh, the workforce trained. And also, uh, it's something that we sometimes overlook because we talk about brain drain so much and people moving away. There's nothing to say that we can't entice people from other regions to come to Maine. Uh, maybe we, you know, we can put some of that uh, workforce together from people in place but maybe it's a matter of uh, enticing some people to come back home. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it is a unique challenge, uh, but it would be a great challenge to have that we, didn't, we couldn't find enough workers for a facility like this. But I think it's one that we can overcome. Yeah, too cool, Chris. Uh, we also uh, bragged you up about your cows, too. You're uh, turning into Dodge <laughs> City down there, we were saying. Yeah, I will say uh, when, I, when I was lucky enough to come on board about three years ago, uh, my board of directors really kind of challenged us to uh, move the needle, is find a way to diversify us even further. You know, I'd like to sit back and say it was all part of my master plan, but I guarantee <laughs> you three years ago I didn't sit down and scratch my chin and say, hmm, pregnant dairy cows headed to Turkey. <laughs> yes, let's chase that. This has been kind of a, a, a great find. It was a, a comedy, I don't want to say a comedy of errors, but a, but a comedy of, uh, of different pieces just falling into place. And what we have found is that uh, we took on the opportunity. We are getting extremely good at it, and uh, it is an opportunity that is probably going to uh, stay pretty prevalent for, for the uh, at least the intermediate term, if not long term. Working in conjunction with a company called Sexing Technologies. I love putting that on any expense report that I have. You can't make that stuff up, my friend. Um, Good one, director. Yeah, it is. So, uh, Sexing Technologies, they're out of Navasota, Texas. Uh, the individual, the owner of the company is Juan Moreno that we deal with. And uh, what their uh, part of the game is, so to speak, that when we send these cows overseas, we're not sending one, we're sending two. 
And sexing, uh, you know, has these cows artificially inseminated, and they guarantee to a certain degree, I don't know what that is. 90% or so. Something like that, that they'll, uh, when they get to Turkey, when they drop, they will drop another heifer. And we're concerned if it's a boy or a girl. If we're doing dairy, we want a girl, and if we want meat, we want a boy. That, that's that's right. And in these right now, what we're moving is uh, dairy cows. But uh, there are there's other markets out there, and this is literally uh, to bring in a little uh, a little boat humor, so to speak, tip of the iceberg uh, on this one. Uh, we think that uh, you know we're potting our way through a 9,000 head order right now, and uh, there are orders larger than that behind this. Um, once we uh, once we get ourselves uh, fully established. The cows come on trucks, I'm guessing? Yeah, what, uh, what they are now is they're aggregated from across the, uh, I wouldn't say the United States, but, uh, you know, the eastern part of the United States, as far away as Wisconsin. Uh, they put them in isolation facilities uh, either in Ohio and I think Pennsylvania. They have another one where they go through their round of testing and whatnot to make sure that they're, you know, happy cows. And then from there they are uh, trucked to Turner, Maine, where they, at Jay Roebuck's facility in Turner, they are off the truck and inspected one last time, and then they are back on the truck and they come to Eastport where they're loaded in uh, cattle containers, specially designed and, and soon to be patented, I guess, by sexing technologies. And these containers go deck loaded on a ship and bon voyage. Hmm. You going to get yourself a cowboy hat, Chris? I'm going to tell you, it's, uh, if you get a chance, uh, you know, I can plug our Facebook page, you know, Port of Eastport uh, has a Facebook page, and I think we also have a YouTube channel, but if you get a chance, go on there. We put a video that we made ourselves, uh, forgive the, the low quality, but I think we did a pretty good job uh, documenting the first trip. And in it, you will see that I was wearing a fully sanctified hard hat, bright orange, that was shaped like a cowboy hat. <laughs> Our water company had a couple of them that they had for novelty items, yep. and we went down and stole them. Yep. So, uh, yes. Yes, I have my first cowboy hat. Wow. So the spirit is the uh, is the proper thing. You're in the proper spirit. So well, it is. I mean, we're excited. There's um, there's a lot of things going on down here. I mean, the recent sale of the Dom Tar Mill to uh, to some different interests um, was good news for us. It looks like that mill is going to remain strong for for the time to come. Dom Tar is your other big shipper out of your port. That's right. We uh, we've kind of made our made our business for the past thirty years shipping unitized wood pulp from the Dom Tar Mill in Baileyville. And that has recently been sold and sold to uh, a company that wants to make further investments in it. So we feel as that's going to stay strong. The cows are taking off. Uh, the opportunities with Mr. Marlowe. Of course, we have a uh, about an $8 million investment in uh, a conveyor system that's going in. We've identified customers for those. So we're, uh, we're turning into the little port that could. And hopefully within the next year, we're going to be the little port that did. Yeah, good for you. You could put um, all these cows onto a, a really fast ship and say that it's the, uh, the herd shot around the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to steal that, my friend. Yeah, and, and I have to tell you a real quick story on that. You'll find this very funny. Mr. Moreno uh, contacted me because he's always trying to think about different ways to move these, uh, these cattle around and find different boats. And ironically, just in a passing glance, he noticed that the cat was going to be for sale. <laughs> and so. he sent me a message and wanted to know if uh, this was something that he should look into purchasing because it'd be really fast and it would go to Turkey. I said, unless these things want to, you know, belly up to the bar, maybe you know, shoot a few slots on the way. I'm not sure we want to put cows on the cat. But uh, that was that fast boat for the herd shot round the world. Yep, that would work. <laughs> Too cool. We were talking to Chris Gardner, the director of the Port of Eastport, this morning about a couple of things. And uh, boy, you put kind of a sparkle on the Eastport story there, Chris. It I sounds. 
<laughs> Sounds about as optimistic and sparkly as anything could be down there. Well, if, if my, my final plug, let's not forget ORPC as well. I mean, they're, the tidal power operations yes, down I'm here are, are growing further as well. Um, we uh, should have just mentioned that because we covered that for the last two months. We've been talking about that. We talked about the fella from uh, uh, the tidal power thing a month before last and then talked uh, big about him last month too, so we're all over that as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, gentlemen. I uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, anytime, give me a show. Oh, Chris, a uh, good friend of the program. Like say anytime, buddy. Alrighty. See you, Chris. Thank Take you. Bye. Chris Gardner from the Port of Eastport, and oh my God, we're about halfway through boat talk already, and uh, we just uh, got started on our friend Thor Emery here and Thor Finn Expedition. We phone number yet either. No, we haven't. We're delinquent there. If you'd like to join in, the number to call is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah, and if talk you'd like to call, call give us a call. And it's like Chris, we'll talk to anybody that gives a call, and nothing bad can happen on Boat Talk. We just, uh, you know, kind of make it up as we go along. But we do have Thor Emery here, and we were just getting to the fact that you're an outward bound uh, qualified instructor. Now, I heard a story about you before I even met you. Okay, we deliver a lot of boats, and my, my friends uh, take a Morris 52 uh, from Annapolis down to uh, Fort Myers every year, back and forth, okay? And uh, they tell a story. We're talking about the Hurricane Island pulling boats. And they says, well, you wouldn't believe what we saw coming up the waterway. And you guys delivered a new version of the Hurricane Island pulling boat from Florida up the East Coast under oar and sail, didn't you? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I had been away from the school for a couple of years. And during that time, when we'd had the existing fleet of pulling boats forever, um, and they, the determination was made that they needed to move towards a different type of craft. So they had a design competition because the pulling boats were aging. Um, and they need to come up with a, a different boat to work with the school. And the old boats worked fantastic, but, you know, they were, they were literally disintegrating or starting to. And they currently have 10 that are still in the fleet, but they downsized a little bit. So long story short, they had a design competition that was won by Roger Martin, who designs the Presto 30. And the hull and decks and all the tooling were done by URP, Union River Boat. Um, so they ended up with the, what they call the Sharpie schooners, and they have six of them currently. So they use the pulling boats up here in Maine and the Sharpies, and the Sharpies go to Florida. But there'd always been this existing staff training called the Odyssey Expedition, which was just staff, no students, where they would sail. And they used to do this with the old boats from the winter grounds down um, in the Keys back up to Maine. Uh, it's uh, more than a couple thousand miles. Yeah. 2,000 miles. Yeah. Yeah, 2,500. Yeah. Um, well, we have a phone call, so let's, let's go to that and see what we have. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, good morning, uh, Chris calling uh, from Pittsburgh. I listen online. Hi, Chris. Uh, I was just going to say uh, about the prospective creation of jobs up in Eastport that uh, the state, through the Department of Economic and Community Development, has a wide variety of incentives for any you know potential uh, job creator. But also, Eastport is in what's called the federally designated hub zone, which means that it has an advantage in attracting government contracts and uh, other kinds of support. So it'd be a great place to build uh, Coast Guard vessels or some lifeboats or whatever that the federal government might procure for themselves mm -hmm. or for foreign entities. But that's a good point, Chris. And I'm, I'll bet you Chris is listening to, Chris Gardner is listening to us in Eastport online also. So uh, you probably made a good connection there. Thank you very all much. Right. All right. Uh, my pleasure. All the best. Yep. So anyway, um, Back to the uh, Hurricane Island pulling boats here now. We got the old style pulling boats and we got the new style pulling boats. We'll have a picture of, of uh, we got a picture of some in the Muscle Ridge uh, uh, of women, uh, two boats of the old pulling boats full of women uh, this summer. We'll put them up on the website and show you. 
Now, the new boats are uh, kind of a different cat. And, again, the design competition uh, won by Roger Martin there, and it was built uh, over in Bucksport at Union River Boat. And, again, you guys got to get these things up the East Coast. And you're coming up the intercoastal waterway. Now, that is a highway of a lot of boats going up and down, and the bridge tenders have to open the bridges to let people go through. And they talk to each other. Hey, I'm sending you a bit. You would. So here's what we heard about you folks. The bridge tenders calling ahead and saying, you won't believe what I'm sending you. <laughs> I said, what do you got? He said, we got oars. And say, say again, oars. <laughs> well, I you can't know? remember exactly how many bridges. I only went down. I was the program manager, so I sort of helped oversee the whole expedition. And the whole point of the expedition, just to quickly get back to that, is that it's a staff training. And that these instructors, and it, it was timed perfectly with the new boats, that, you know, what better way to get to know these boats than to literally or and sail them all the way up the East Coast. With the old boats, they used to have to um, jump offshore quite a bit more and bash the way through the inlets. What we found with the new boats is they sailed so well that we were literally short-tacking, you know, up the ICW past buildings and boats and everything else. But we had like 40-something bridges, you know, in the first few days. And uh, we were going around the clock, obviously, because we weren't going that fast. So we come up to these bridges at night, and most of them were on a set time. Um, but once they made contact with us on the radio, they... A, would ask if we needed Coast Guard assistance, and then B, would <laughs> give us whatever opening we want and would clear the way for us as we kept going. But So they went up the ICW, they went up you know, the Chesapeake, and they went up to Delaware. They beat up to Delaware at night in 20 to 25 knots. And these are open boats. They have a small um, cutty cabin forward for a head, but that's yeah. it. But you know, eight instructors on each boat, you know, that's a rugged, rugged boat. And we pulled up in Newport, and we had a big event there. And um, we were at the Newport shipyard, and there was a bunch of Whitbread-type sailors, you know, in the Maxis and everything else around, and these guys would come over and be like, you know, I've done the Volvo, I've been around the world, but i got to take my hats off to you guys. This is rugged. Yeah. So, And that's the type of program it is. You know, it's designed yeah. to be rugged, and it is. And the new boats fit incredibly well, but they are a different beast. Um, a little bit more elegant than the uh, old boats. They sail a lot better. It's a, basically a Sharpie uh, schooner rig, Correct. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, and they, they sail a lot better. They actually have a toilet. They do. And that was one of, um, you know, moving towards a newer design um, and environmentally sensitive design as well. I mean, the old boats had a, a bucket, a, a bucket. box on the bow. And there ain't no privacy neither. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> privacy. And the new boats have a holding tank. Neat. So that was, that was one of the, there's a lot, I mean, that's what was kind of fascinating about the whole design competition. You need an open, an open style boat that you can row, you know, and that sails well. Um, these boats do incredibly well in light air, but you also need to have a head and the stowage capacity to, you know, go for the long haul. Well, here's the story of the boat. This uh, new Hurricane Island pulling boat designed by uh, Roger Martin there um, was built at Union River Boat. Now, he's designed another boat that is very, very similar. I kind of think of it as the civilian version of the uh, Hurricane Island pulling boats, and it's called the Presto 30. And it's being manufactured right now in uh, Bucksport, Maine, in the industrial park there by Richard and Bell Ryder. And... Um, so anyway, this boat is kind of unique in, in uh, several different ways. It's a, a cat catch. It has two masts. Um, it is very shallow draft. It's a very shallow uh, uh, saucer dish of a kind of a U with a centerboard. And the draft can be either like a foot or what, five? Five and a half. Five and a half with feet or so down, yeah. with wow, the board down and board. stuff. But with the uh, uh, rudder kicked up and the uh, board kicked up, you can float that thing in, in a foot of water, which is kind of cool. And especially places like the Intercoastal Waterway, it ain't deep down there. Um, so anyway, this boat is kind of unique. It has a, uh, a rig, which is uh, very interesting to look at. They're carbon fiber mass, and they have what's called their Bermuda rig sail, which is a typical triangular um, uh, sail that you see on most uh, normal sailboats. 
but the top of the triangle is missing. Yeah, there's a gaff batten up top, which is referred to as a fat head or square top sail. And you're seeing that more and more on race boats. Yeah, because um, what's that little triangle do up there? It just spins off little vortices. So yeah. having a square head is a lot more efficient. And it actually works really well in all conditions. Going upwind, even when it's blowing it, the mass bends off and back because they're freestanding. And that square head actually helps to uh, twist open the sail and depower it in yeah. itself. So you're not having to play the sheets quite as much. You can just feather the boat. And you got more sail area, so it's a little, yeah. more, little more horsepower. So we got the boat now. Let's go back to you again. We got um, we got the uh, outward bound dude here who's uh, looking for an outdoor opportunity, you know. And and you've done a bunch of stuff, you you know, kayaking and and rock climbing and mountaineering and all that stuff. And but you want to start a business, and you're kind of thinking, what, 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 what can I do? Yeah, I've been thinking about it for quite a while, you know. And you're just looking for a niche because there's so many outdoor programs, um, and they're all, you know, everyone sort of serves a different purpose, but. I was at Outward Bound, you know, dealing with the new boats, which were great, and I got to know Bell and Richard Ryder and Roger Martin. And then when I saw the design for the Presto, you know, the wheels started turning. And uh, That was a I've, spark. Yeah, and I've got a very supportive wife, fortunately, and it was kind of like, now's the time. And uh, I really liked, you know, my involvement, especially with Bell and Richard. You know, I think they're just excellent, and uh, they're really good at what they do, and they're easy to work with. So, you know, there was a lot of visits. The fact that I lived 30 minutes away was pretty nice, and I spent a lot of time driving yeah. up and asking questions. So, yeah, that's really where the spark. So the boat basically inspired the, the business plan. Exactly. Yeah. And having a boat that, A, sails incredibly well. It's got a big cockpit, so, you know, I can carry up to six people, plus myself and another staff member if I needed them. Um, a boat that I can move around. So for a business model, you know, to be able to go south in the winter and cruise at 70 miles, or I should probably go 65 on the highway, but, you know, to be able to cover a lot of ground or to go to places that I've worked in the past, like Pacific Northwest or Newfoundland. But ideally, we're based here in Maine, and it, it suits the boat, you know, incredibly well. On the back of the boat, it says, Home Port, Lincolnville, Maine, Area of Operations, North America. Right. Or we should probably expand that someday because the boat would fit in a container. The so world. go anywhere. Yeah. yeah, the world, everywhere. Too cool. Uh, let's go back to your wife for a minute. Um, she's kind of an outward bound kind of person too. You met her at Sugarloaf ski instructors. Yeah, didn't we you? did the yeah, and our we I'd come back from British Columbia having spent time out there. We met at Sugarloaf and uh she grew up in the mid coast and had done a bunch of sailing. So she worked at Outward Bound for, you know, a few years. The two of us were there. And then we went out west to the Pacific Northwest for about four years, came back and had a kid. And uh now we've got two little boys, so it was kind of figuring out, you know, our own place in the world. But for me I need to have a significant amount of time outside. And I'd spent enough time, I think, working for other people that it was time to time to make the jump. And you've got a, well, let's go back to the kid. Uh, it's Thorfinn Expedition. So I asked you, Finn, where's that one come from? Well, my first, my first son is Finn, who's four, and Thorfinn is a Viking name. And uh, I was, I'm just Thor, but was supposedly named after a Viking named Thorfinn. There was a series of Thorfinns. There was Thorfinn Carl Sefni. We made it to Newfoundland. There was Thorfinn the Mighty, Thorfinn Skull Cleaver. goes on and on. That's <laughs> kind of where the name came from. <laughs> I like Mighty till you got the Skull Cleaver. <laughs> Too cool. And now what chance is that boy going to have to grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer? You yeah, know what I'm saying? See. Yeah. <laughs> An accountant. He likes being outside. one 625 So the business also uh, involves a storefront in, in Lincolnville Beach, Maine, uh, right there on Route 1. Yeah, we put up the storefront um, basically just to have a place to exist. I mean, I live in Lincolnville, so I spend a lot of time at the beach, and it's a beautiful spot. Um, and what the store provides for us is not so much to try to sell things. It's, it's really to provide a, a base of operations for our trips and a place that people can know, especially in our first few years of existence, that you know, this, is, this is what's going on. And it's pretty nice to have the store right there and then the, you know, the boat sitting right there as well. 
And then as far as jumping off, you know, for our shorter day trips, it's pretty convenient to get up into Islesboro or pull up on a beach somewhere. And then for longer trips, you know, cruising up through the northerns and heading towards Acadia or up through Stonington, it's, um, it's, it's conveniently located. Yep. Mid-coast or, you know, central Penobscot Bay when you get right down to it. Yeah, it's right in the hub. Yeah, couldn't be better. Um, yeah, so we got the, uh, we got the uh, Thorfinn Expedition Company there. Now we're talking about the uh, company. we got to mention the website as well, which I uh, checked out and I just thought it was excellent. I was very impressed. Um, website is? It's ThorfinnExpeditions.com. Yeah. And there's blogs there. There's pictures. There's programs. There's, uh, and I like that uh, some of your customers wrote about their experience as well which was a good thing, get it kind of interactive with the people who you're, you know, working with there. Is, uh, I thought it was really excellent. So Yeah, we hope to do more and more. I mean, a lot of that content was honestly written last spring before we'd actually even run a program. So now we're kind of retooling it all, and we want it. You know, we basically run, you know, we're an adventure sailing business, but we're also an education business. So um, highlighting environmental issues and running neat trips and also starting to do more film and video, you know, even just the side stories of going to places like Matinicus and the Outer Islands or, um, we may potentially go to the Gulf Coast a year after the spill um, in March. So all that kind of stuff will be incorporated into the into the website. Very interesting. Yeah, maybe we'll get our link back to theboattalk.org. I don't see why we couldn't. I'd like to follow up on going to the Gulf. Uh, do you have any anybody who would sort of like to go along with you to do uh, some sort of research? or? Well, that's um, – we're trying to do a, a bunch of things all at once. We get, we're going to go to Florida first, um, and a lot of that's actually going to be a – it's going to be an extended trip, um, but we're going to fit in some demo days for Union River so that people in the area can get on the boat and sail for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once that wraps up, um, I'd really like to take the boat up to the Gulf Coast. So. It would be interesting to see what's happening a year after. And it's the perfect boat to do it because we can, I mean, we can pretty much go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we can poke into different areas and meet the, uh, the local characters. Um, and there's also, so far, it's been mostly research, you know, on my end of talking. There's actually some excellent resources right here in Maine of biologists that are, you know, going down there fairly routinely and just trying to get a, a clearer picture of what might be going on because there's so much that I think that's unknown right now. As far as I believe America can tell, the world's largest environmental catastrophe turned out to be, oh, never mind at this point, you know. Uh, so what? Nothing, uh, you know, no problems. All gone away. Right. I mean, you pump Which a lot I don't of just oil and disperse it into the water and everything uh, else. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not gone away. It can't go away. You neither create or destroy matter. We're embarrassed by so much stuff talk uh, about here at Boat Talk, but uh, one of the things we will be doing at some point is having Dr. Sue Shaw over here from the Mary Institute, Marine, Marine yes, Environmental Research Institute in Blue Hill. She went down and jumped into the Gulf early on and swam around, and uh, she'll certainly have something to say, but we'll be getting to that sooner or later. But anyway... Um, fascinating. Now, the boat, like I say, has, in, has uh, sparked the business. This boat has an outboard motor. You don't have to row it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we toyed around with the idea of actually trying to row it. but uh, Do you have oars? I would have a set of oars we anyway. Have, we have some paddles yeah. right now, and uh, we might either try to scull it. The other idea is for a single person to try to row it from the cockpit. And that would basically just be to, to move the boat around. And the boat sails so well that, I mean, even in Camden Harbor this summer, we'd sail it right up to the dock. Yeah, so, you could, and half thing, the time we don't use the engine, and the boat's so good in light air, you know, it's it's more of a use it if you need it type thing. Nice. But the engine retracts up into the boat. It's in a well. It's an unusual rig. It's a, There's a box to the forward port, uh, starboard side of the uh, companionway in the, in the cockpit there. There's a big square box, and the outboard motor lives in it, and it goes up and down on a pennant lift, and it, it drops straight through the bottom, and then the... Uh, uh, the bottom closes off when the motor is up, right? So it's all smooth and the boat is fast. Exactly, it fares in. Yeah, yeah the, boat's, the boat's very quick. Yeah, this 30-foot 
trailer sailor, it's basically a Sharpie with a cat catch, a carbon fiber square headed rig has done 12 knots under sail. That's pretty fast. It's not supposed to be possible for a 30 foot boat. Okay. <laughs> you basically got to get the boat out of the water and start planing it. Which we have another phone how they call, did that. So yeah. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to boat talk. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Michael. Michael, Great where job. from down to Stonyton? I'm so happy to hear from you. We haven't, uh, <laughs> haven't heard from you for a long time, man. No, where I've you been? been lying. I've been lying low, but no, I've been here and, uh, it's, it's been busy and somewhat crazy. And, uh, but I'm really enjoying the show. I, I, um, I assume this boat is a, maybe I'm wrong in assuming, but it sounds like it's a tip of the hat to Commodore Monroe's Presto Catch. Am I, am I, I would say, it, I would is say there, yes. Is there yeah. a connection here? I mean, that's a Sharpie, as I recall, and, and, uh, um, and uh, I, I, you were talking about rowing it, and I think I've seen, I think I saw a picture of this boat somewhere, but I can't really recall, except that it was very high-tech looking and modern. Um, but I, w- I, would, I would remind you that L. Francis Harishoff, uh, he, he proposed a 10-foot sweep as the auxiliary power for a Rosinante, which was a 6,600-pound 6, boat. And, uh, 29 feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I wouldn't want to row it very far, but uh, I also was interested in the, in the little, um, the, his, uh, your guest's comment on the, the top of the sail being hacked off, which, of course, was also... And L. Francis Harishoff, I'm not saying he originated it, but the Meadowlark had that little short gaff at the top with a single halyard. When I worked for Alan Weitzies back in the 70s, we built a, a larger version of the Meadowlark, uh, quite a lot of them, actually. And um, I've personally, um, I'm perf- personally very weighted towards the gaff rig. I think it's far superior to, um, to those pointy-headed sails. And, and um, I think uh, as... You know, as was mentioned, the, the modern race boats have all really, they don't really have gaffs up there anymore. It's just an inflated batten, but it's basically a gaff rig, high-aspect high gaff rig sail. And uh, I, would, uh, I would love to go for sale on one of these little babies. It sounds really great. I don't know why that couldn't happen, man. Yeah, that's, that could definitely happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's, how's things down to your boatyard down there? Uh, things are steady. Um, I've, got, I've got lots of work, which everybody tells me is good like to have someone write me a big fat retirement check, to be perfectly honest. You know, when you get past that 60 mark, those birthdays don't look so appealing anymore. Uh, physical labor is, uh, you know... It's a lot of heavy lifting, so, yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah, it just it, it does get harder. But, um, but in, this, in this day and age and, and in this economy, I'm very, happy to, um, I'm very happy to be busy and to have plenty of work. And, in fact, uh, Mary, the Marine Environmental Research Institute, are a primary customer of mine. I keep all their boats. So, uh, um, so you, you have the uh, you have the biodiesel boat. I have. Well, they are running some biodiesel in the in the little uh, Junior Day boat. Yeah, that's here. Um, is that working and, out all right? Uh, pardon me. Is that working out all right? It is, but I haven't. Had, well, let's put it like this: when once the beginning of the summer comes, <clears throat> the thing that I think like any guy that maintains a small fleet of boats or any size fleet of boats, the, thing, the things you dread most are that, those phone calls. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, we have a problem, phone call. So um, there have been no phone calls. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out very well. And um, I think it's a, a much, the, the boat they had before was really unsuitable for Mary and unsuitable for Mary's image and was sold and uh, 
this is a local boat, as I say. It's a little junior day uh, lobster boat, and um, it's a it's a it's a sweet little boat, good behaving, and uh, yeah, there have been no complaints about running the biodiesel at all. And the other boat that they do the eco cruises on that has a oh, I repowered it about five years ago with a modern Volvo, you know, common rail diesel, and that's a I, I just can't say enough good things about the, the new technology. Um, it's clean. It's fuel efficient. Uh, yeah, when you can run a you know when you can run a 33 foot boat around, <clears throat> they run at modest speeds because there are a whole lot of kids aboard. But you, know, you can run a 33 foot wooden boat around and burn a couple of gallons an hour. Um, it speaks well to the to what's happening in this in this world. So. Yeah. Mike, well, awful, anyway. awful glad to hear from you after a while there. You've, uh, uh, I must say, you've, uh, you call into a couple other shows, and, and I, I tremendously enjoy it. And you also wrote a couple of good letters to the editor that I enjoyed this fall, and I thank you. Ah, <laughs> my acerbic letters to the editor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you said, well, the, you know. As you said the other day on the WERU review, I don't always agree with Mike Joyce, but and I don't always agree with you either, man, but uh, I, treasure your, uh, I treasure you saying it. So anytime. And, and and uh, and and likewise, and yep. uh, this is a great show, and I'm really glad that you guys have made this work. And uh, and uh, yeah, good on you. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank All right, you, take care. Don't Bye-bye. forget to be a regular suspect. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah. Now this um, Presto thirty we haven't mentioned being a trailer sailor. The masts are what almost thirty feet long, aren't they? Yeah, tall. Both, yep. Depending which way they are, laying down or standing up, but um. The uh, little uh, gin pole rig that you have to in, in to uh, self yeah, start these pretty cool, uh, pretty cool rig. Two Sundays ago, I guess it was, we uh, uh, met up in Bucksport and, and uh, trailed the boat down to uh, Rockland and set it up. We wanted to go sailing, but there was no wind that day, so we were kind of frustrated. But we had a great visit down there anyway. And just setting the boat up, I thought, was a good part of of uh, you know getting to meet the boat because. Uh, you know, you've sold this as a trailer sailor. It's not that easy to trailer a boat, especially a sailboat, especially ones with keels. Now, this one doesn't have a keel, which makes it easier. But um, trailering can be its own adventure and challenge. And the bigger the boat, the harder it is to deal with. And uh, raising masts, oh, my God, you, we use cranes for that usually, you know. But there is a system that uh, for the Presto 30 that just blew me away. And it's called, what Alan said, a gin pole. And we got a little, uh, what is it, 12-foot aluminum pole, two-inch diameter? Yeah, we keep cutting it down. I mean, this is Richard Richard and Bell, really. I mean, we started with just a pole and some guy lines, and then we ended up adding another deck tube so that this 14-foot pole just goes right down in the deck tube. Yeah. And it's got a little worm drive winch on it. So you sling the mast right around the balance point and then just lift it out. Yeah, the uh, pole lives on the trailer when it's not being used and when it's necessary. Um, we go up on deck, and we have two masts, and, and where each mast goes, there are two tubes. One is for the mast to go in, and the other is for the gin pole. And so you slide the gin pole in, you hook up your little pennant to your mast, and I start cranking on the little winch handle there, and it raises the thing up till it tips into the hole. And as I said the other day when we were doing it, there's absolutely no drama involved with this, <laughs> which is excellent when you're trying to set up the 30-foot mast. Yeah, and I think we've even gotten to the point where I could do it on my own if I needed to. Yeah. And the other nice thing about the mass is if you got a crew, four people can lift them out. They only weigh about 55, 58 pounds, I'd say, fully rigged. Yeah. But, yeah. We have a phone call, so let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Captain Yo. And ah, another usual suspect. <laughs> well, I wanted to tie together a few of the comments from the previous caller. I'm getting up there in years, too, and I very much 
feel the idea about not having to lift heavy objects. And so I've been focusing this summer on sailing models. And I made a model which I have named Mark A. McClellan in honor of the late captain from Rockland. And she is a knockabout Banks Doryman, Dapre McManus, about 1906. And as Chappelle says, because the knockabouts lacked a bowsprit, they necessarily had a taller aspect rig. However, they still maintained the gaff. And I have found, sailing this model with its high aspect gaff rig, that it is really quite weatherly. And whereas ordinarily with the models, I row up wind in the peapod and let them sort of run off. This one is so weatherly that I've taken to going downwind with the peapod and sort of chasing it to weather. It's really quite an amazing thing. To It's a free sailing model with no radio control. So you sheet in and set the helm, and she does her best. But she actually can work to weather. So... How big is it, yo? She's 44 inches overall. Wow. And she has housing top masts so that she can be taken out in some real breeze. And I learned over the years with the models that they need comparatively much more stability. So she's she's not a scale model. She's beamy and hard in the bilge and has a lot of lead down below and a fairly deep keel. So uh, she can be taken out in... 15 to 20 knots of breeze, and with the top mast housed and the, and the mains reefed, she really is quite a sight going up and down the seas that come in with an easterly in Southwest Harbor. So the next challenge is getting photographs because... Uh, we would like to see that, yo. Nobody else can see us while we're out there. That's the problem. Yeah, so, we would like to see that. Right. Well, um, so I'm in the process of getting the whole photography thing together, and I have a few early samples and starting to get them out to people, and you begin to see the excitement that's involved in model sailing. And what, what I've always enjoyed about it is you can make a model that's not like anything else you'll see. And my next idea is I'm going to try one of Columbus's ships. Okay. And that would really be a sight, sailing out between the cranberries. Yep. Well, thanks so much for running the show and allowing me to plug my Any, start work here. Anytime, man. Have a good day. Uh, we have a website, and we, like I say, could, uh, would like those pictures up there, uh, you know, on the Boat Talk website if possible sometime. Yeah, uh, Boattalk.org. We'll yeah. And put up a, a story there the other day, which involves, uh, as he was saying, um, uh, well, the, the uh, story I put up the other day has a 40-foot shark in it, but also a pirate ship with uh, decorated with skulls that sailed out of the past right, right off the tip of Cape Cod. You might want to check that out. There's pictures, too. It's a very unusual rig. But anyway, back to the Thorfinn thing here, which we're doing kind of disjointedly, but we're having too much fun this morning. Oh, this is good. And actually, one thing, just to get back to the two callers, especially Michael that brought up um, Commodore Monroe, that I think the Presto 30 is very much a... Uh, a high-tech relative of his designs. And in 1885, he designed a boat called Presto, which was a little bit larger, round-bottom Sharpie. And he used to use that, and then he had another, he had several designs, but one called Egret. And they used to deliver mail in the winter on the uh, east coast of Florida going in and out of those inlets. So there's some yeah. fascinating stories about how seaworthy these boats were. And that's what we found with Presto as well, that it, it definitely stands up. We haven't even got to one of the coolest things about this uh, new Presto 30 boat. Um, 
Cruising World Magazine has nominated, they have a contest every year, and uh, the Presto 30 built in Bucksport here and uh, featured in Thorfinn Expeditions has been nominated for Boat of the Year, Cruising World Magazine. It's kind of a big deal. And uh, you helped Richard and Bell Union River Boat uh, at a couple of boat shows in Annapolis, and, and uh, you make your boat available and you make yourself available. Got a little uh, arrangement with them there. So you actually took the uh, Cruising World people out sailing, didn't you? Yeah, Bell and I both did. Um, we went to Newport first, and then we took Thorfinn to Annapolis, and both shows were really busy, which is great. And they've sold three boats this fall. They've sold is, boats through the shows, which is which huge, is because it's not just enough to be able to build a boat. Uh, you got to sell them, too. That's huge. And to have this thing be just nominated for Boat of the Year is pretty good bragging rights, big bragging rights. And it was it was fun. The judges spent uh, one day dockside at the show, crawling all over the boat, and then we went sailing for, I don't know, maybe an hour. You know, they drop them off. You sort of show them where everything is, and then they want you to go down below. So they take photos, and they actually get to sail the boat, but they loved it. And they've never quite seen anything like it. No, and that's, that's what they were the other saying. thing. They've never quite seen anything like that. And they, uh, I mean, one point that one of, I think, the systems guy made was that so many of the boats they get on now are, you, you really feel like you're disconnected from the water. I mean, they're almost, there's a lot of systems involved, you know, a lot of freeboard, um, and they're all fairly complex. And he said it was just really fun to sail a boat that, you know, felt incredibly intimate with the water. And you do, you feel everything. You feel every little gust, every wave. I mean, the boat weighs 5,000 pounds. So it's, More like a boat than a condo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that might be their tagline. <laughs> and you can trailer it, so it can be an RV when you need it Yeah, uh, in between. Excellent. Um, what uh, will you be doing this fall and winter with Thorfinn Expeditions? kind of gets cold around here, and you know. Well, we're, the boat's in the water in Rockland. And, uh, and we still might get go sailing, we'll, we'll right? Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll still Maybe go we'll sailing. call Michael Ware. the best time and, of the know, year. Hey, I agree. So uh, Cold, we're windy, gonna, yeah, we'll who? keep sailing, um, and people can contact us if they're interested in going. We're not doing the paid charter thing right now, so if people want to go, we'll set a time. We kind of throw it up on our Facebook page, and if people show up, great. It's usually on a Sunday. We, um, we were supposed to have a school group this past Sunday. We might do it next, but the uh, weather didn't cooperate. We're going to take a little break, um, basically working on all the content for programming for next year, designing trips, and then uh, January we tow the boat to Florida. Nice. Yeah. Thorfinnexpeditions.com. So when you tow the boat, do you sleep on board when you go overnight on a long trip like that? Um, down the highway? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I will this time. When I got to go to Annapolis with Bell, she uh, URB for the bill for a hotel room, so that was nice. But, yeah, I'll definitely sleep on the boat. <laughs> yeah. One of the little things I like to say is all camping, you know, yeah. and uh, some camping's easier than others. Yachting camping's really not that hard. Now, as an outward bound kind of a bucket, uh, you know, uh, sleep in the bilge kind of camper uh you've got rugged tendencies so. oh yeah this is for me this is cush I right mean, you got a big v berth and it sleeps four comfortably down below it's got an enclosed head it's got a small galley we forgot about that it's got a composting head yeah it's got an airhead oh yeah that we put in an, an airhead air head. another good <laughs> oh a lot of boats that we sail have airheads oh <laughs> we are running out of time here on boat talk and uh, again we've uh, been talking to uh, thor emery thorfinn expeditions thorfinn expeditions.com i recommend the website uh, there's pictures up at BoatTalk.org of us setting the uh, thing up. And, uh, you know, we didn't really uh, get through the whole story. And as far as I can tell, we still got to have uh, Richard and or Bell on from Union River Boat and uh, talk more about the design and manufacture of this thing. And, but it sparked your business and way too cool. We're so happy to have you here this morning. Thanks. Appreciate it. We should also, I uh, forgot, say goodbye to David Demeray, too. Do you know David died? Oh, no. I'm yeah, so sorry. David, uh, uh, Former WERU programmer and uh, fellow sailor has been on this show a couple of times by phone. Has passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. 
All right, rest in peace, buddy. Uh, Boat Talk on every second Tuesday, you know, and uh, we got the website, boattalk.org. Stay tuned. Uh, we got music coming up next, Jim Bahoosh on the wing, and, uh, you know, the whole WRU day yet to come. <laughs>